You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. This morning we're going to talk about the ultimate rest. All month long in June we've been talking about God has a better way to rest. The whole year has been God has a better way. If you want to go to a higher place, think higher thoughts. If you want to do things better, you have to go to somebody who knows things, that how to, how to make it better. And God says, my ways are better. My ways are higher. So we live in a world that's looking for rest, they, they, all kinds of ways to rest. And a good rest is depend not just on your bed or not just upon where you sleep and how much noise there is and all those kind of things. There's something else that will really determine an ultimate rest. And so this morning, I want to show you how to have an, the ultimate rest. And we want to go there this morning. Fathers are known to be protectors. Fathers are known to be providers. Fathers are known to be encouragers. And as we protect things, uh, we, we want to make sure that they're safe. Now, there's something that you have as men that we all have that we need to protect. It's the most valuable thing that we have. It's not our, what's in our bank account. It's not our jewelry. It's not our car. It's not our golf clubs. It's not our business. But there's something far more valuable than that that you have that we must protect. And as men, and, and for all of us, if we protect this, the rest of the things will go well. This is foremost. This is number one. has to be protected. I'm going to show you a picture of the Imperial Crown State Crown. And this is, you can visit this. If you go to London, you can see this. And you can go and take a visit of the Crown Jewels, and you'll see this crown. This, this particular crown here is worth who knows how much. Really, it's priceless because of the jewels that are on it. On this crown... There are 2,868 diamonds. That diamond in the middle, that's not, you know, cut glass. That's a real diamond in the middle there. Ladies, don't ask for that for your engagement ring because it's just not possible, all right? Because, uh, one, we couldn't afford it. And secondly, it's 371 or something like that carats. It's the second biggest diamond in the world. And it happens to be on that crown. And there's rubies and sapphires. And th that thing just costs a lot of money. And it's, it's really well protected. They have guards around it 24-7. It's so priceless that you really can't even put a, a price tag on it, that imperial state crown. But as precious as that is and as well guarded as that is, you have something in you that's worth more than that. And what that is is your faith. Your faith is worth more than that thing is. According to God. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it's there in your notes. It says, These trials are only to test your faith. It doesn't say to test your education. It didn't say to test your IQ, your emotional quotient, or your emotion quotient, or your intellectual quotient, or your education. I said that one already, or your money, or not to test any of that, to test your faith. And he went on to say, to show that it's strong and pure, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Watch this last part of the verse, and your faith is far more precious to God than your gold. The faith in your heart right now is more precious than that big crown that you saw, worth more. A lot of guards, a lot of protection, a lot of security system around those jewels, but what you have in your heart is worth more than that crown's worth. Protect it. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, because faith is the ultimate key to rest. Often poor rest comes from anxiety, fear, worry, obsession, guilt, unresolved anger, depression, emotional issues, and we don't really have a good rest. But if faith is there, if we can trust God, we can have a rest in the middle of a storm. 
Jesus was an example for that. We know Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it said, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's cross over to the other side. Let me pause there for a second. If Jesus says, Let's cross over to the other side, guess what? You're going to the other side. You may have to get dragged to the other side. You may take a submarine to go to the other side. You may have to be helicopter, airlifted, or whatever, but you will go to the other side because Jesus said, We'll go to the other side. You're going to the other side. That being said, Jesus goes to rest in the boat. He has a sleep. Storm comes up and he's still sleeping. The disciples wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Master, we're perishing. Can't you see the storm? Jesus stands up. He rebukes the wind. But then in Mark chapter 4, verse 40, he says to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Note very carefully that your rest and your faith are connected. The ultimate rest is connected to your faith, your unwavering trust in God. You can go read Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 4 sometime this week if you like, but here the writer makes the point that the children of Israel were saved, but they never enjoyed the rest of the promised land, which was Canaan. John Phillips in his book on uh, Hebrews says, they settled for less than God had for them. A people who had trusted God to bring them out of Egypt simply refused to trust God to bring them into Canaan. As a result, they lost, not their salvation, but the joy, the peace, and the rest God intended for them in the promised land. And God intended that for us to have rest. A lot of believers, they found God. They've had salvation. Sure, they know Jesus as their Savior, but they're not really living in the rest. Our covenant that Jesus made for us was a covenant with better promises. And one of the promises is that in the midst of the storm, you can have rest. The ultimate rest is not dependent on your circumstances. The ultimate rest is dependent upon your faith and your trust in God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, it's there in your notes, says this, For only we who believe can enter His place of rest. If you have that in your notes, you can also bring it up on the QR code. Let's read this out loud together. For only we who believe can enter His place of rest. Let's try it one more time. We'll all get on the same page. Let's do it one more time. For only we who believe can enter His place of rest. So this place of rest is really connected to your faith. It's connected to your believing. God wanted us to be at rest. He didn't want us to be stressed out, anxious, depressed. Depression is always related to anxiety. He wants us to live in a place of rest, and that's connected to our faith. Verse 11, the same chapter says, let us do our best to enter that place of rest. You enter into that place. Anyone who disobeys God, as the people of Israel did, will fall. Then it goes on to say, the Word of God is full of living power, sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. God's Word is connected to your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Your faith is connected to simply trusting what God said to be true. No matter what the circumstances are, I believe what God said is going to be true. I'm going to hang on to that. Peter had that kind of rest. If you go to Acts 12 and read that story sometime, Peter got thrown into jail. Earlier in the chapter, one of his close friends got thrown into jail. We know John was a disciple, and John had a brother named James, and James got thrown into jail. And what happened to him in jail was not pretty. They executed him. They cut off his head. The next day, Herod goes and arrests Peter, puts Peter in jail. Now, if you're in jail, one of your best friends got thrown in jail that same week, and he had his head cut off, and the same guy arrested you for the same reason, what do you think is going to happen to you? Likely, you're going to be executed. 
So you're in jail, and this is not a Canadian jail, okay? This is not the crowbar hotel that we have in Canada. This is a Roman jail. That's stinky, stone floor, and he's handcuffed in chains between two soldiers on a cold, stinky floor. But we read in Acts chapter 12, verse 6, Peter slept. Think about it. Next morning, you're likely going to die. You're not comfortable. You're lying between two soldiers. You're strapped in on a cold floor. You're so uncomfortable. My question to you this morning is, how in the world could Peter rest in that condition? Faith. Faith is the ultimate rest. Faith would allow a man to sleep in miserable conditions, knowing the next morning he's going to die. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He's not fearful. He's not depressed. He's like, hey, I'm in the master's hands. Everything's going to be all right. That's the ultimate rest that God would like us to live in, in that place. But it takes faith to be there. Peter had that kind of faith. So how do we protect our faith? I want to give you 10 simple points this morning on how to protect your faith. They protect those crown jewels. A lot of protection goes into it. So if it's true that your faith is more valuable than that crown jewel, doesn't it make sense that we'd protect it? Doesn't the Bible say, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life? What's in your heart? Faith, as a man believes in his heart. It's faith is in your heart. Those jewels are in the castle. They guard the castle. Your faith is in your heart. You guard your heart. What's the most precious thing you have? It's your faith, according to God. You won't take any of your jewels to heaven with you. Ladies, I know they're nice, and I know you like them. My wife likes the jewels. I, like, I love giving her stuff, but she won't take any of her. Everything I bought her from Tiffany's, none of it will make it to heaven. It's nice. She likes it, but the truth of the matter, but her faith will go to heaven. Everything she did by faith will be in heaven, but none of the jewelry will go to heaven. Our apartments won't go to heaven. Your Mercedes won't show up in heaven. Your Bentley, your Mazda Zoom Zoom won't go to heaven. <laughs> Whatever you got, none of it will go to heaven, but your faith will. You know that crown? Really nice, right? Heaven and earth will pass away. It will pass away. But your faith won't pass away. Most precious thing you have. It, it will live for all eternity. So we have to guard our faith with all diligence. Well, how do I guard my faith? What would I do to guard my heart? What are, what are the things that guard my faith? You know, guys, it's Father's Day. And I thought, you know, what should I do for Father's Day? Some days we've had a motorbike up here. And some days we've done different things for Father's Day. And I was planning, what could I do creatively for fathers? And the word that I had from the Holy Spirit was just this, meat for men, just give a meaty message. So this is, not, just, this is kind of steak and potatoes message, all right? So I don't have any other illustrations for you, except one that's coming up in a second, but it, it'll, it'll tie in. And so there's a great book, by the way, called Meat for Men by Leonard Ravenhill. If you get a chance, find that book. He also wrote Why Revival Terry's Revival Praying, Meat for Men. So, but this is for everybody, of course, because it's how to protect your faith. It applies to women, children, adults, men, grandfathers, grandmothers. It works for everybody. Number one, how to protect your faith is to be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Faith is simply thanking God for something you can't see yet and thanking God after it shows up. One of the greatest ways to protect your faith is to be thankful. 
Because if you're ungrateful, if you're unthankful, your faith won't work. It'll cripple your faith. Protect your faith by being thankful. And everything give thanks. In Psalm chapter 100, verse 4, it says, enter with the password. Enter God's presence with thank you. You got a password for your phone, right? I have a password for my phone. And you go here, you know, you got your passcode, enter passcode. You get on the internet and you want to go into your whatever it is, your bank account, whatever. You have a passcode for everything. You know, God's got a passcode. His passcode is thank you. We enter his presence with thanksgiving. It affects our faith. If our attitude is like, God, my name is Jimmy, what are you going to give me? If our attitude is like that, our faith doesn't work very well. Our faith has to be, we protect our faith by having an attitude of gratitude. Very important. Jesus modeled it when Jesus took the loaves and fishes. Do you remember he took the loaves and fishes? They brought it to him because he said, let's feed the multitude. All they had was some seven loaves and a couple of fish. What did Jesus do? He didn't just break it. There's something important that he did before he broke it. He took it and he lifted it up to the Father. He says, Father, thank you. Lord's Supper, he instituted the Lord's Supper. It said, and after he had returned thanks, Jesus modeled thankfulness. You protect your faith by being thankful. So I don't know what project you have. What do you have to do with your faith this week? Are you believing for a breakthrough at immigration? Are you believing for a breakthrough in your business? What mountain are you moving with your faith this week? The just shall live by faith, so there'll be something that you're working on and you need faith for. Well, here's the key. How do you protect your faith so it works effectively? Let's say it's an immigration issue and you've done your paperwork and you've done everything you know how to do. What do you do with it? You take that paperwork and you come before God and you get down on your knees. Literally is good. It's body language. And you lift it up before God, and you say, God, here's my paper. God, I've done the best that I can. And I don't know if it's enough. But I thank you for all that you've done. And I come before you with thanksgiving. And Lord Jesus, same way you took the loaves and the fishes, and you raised them to the Father, I take what I have. God, I feel so finite. It's so big, so much bigger than I am. But Jesus, it's not bigger than you are. So I give you my problem. I've done everything I know how to do. And yet, God, I know that it's not enough. But the battle is yours, Lord. So with thanksgiving, I give this to you. Father, I pray you take it and multiply it. That there be leftovers. That there be more than enough. And because of it, you would be glorified. Amen. That's how you enter his presence with thanksgiving. Very practical. Very simple. But that's how you guard your faith. Number two, humbly worship God in your home in your church, in your community. Fathers, you're here today, you're doing it. I salute you, give you a high five. Because it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a choice to come to church as a dad. The, his, the, 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 the facts are in. It's been proven over and over again that if men will come to church, families will come. If moms come to church, the stats go down. If children come to church, the stats go down. But if a dad will say, like Joshua... As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I love what he said. He just stood up and he said, guys, me and my house, we're serving the Lord. If you don't want to, that's up to you. But as for me and my house, we're serving God. We're going to do it. Something about men who have the courage to do that. Some about men have the courage to worship God. And John chapter 4 says, 
But the time is coming, already is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That means it comes out of your heart. That means you're honest about it. You're not faking it. Now, this might shock you, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. (laughs) If you fake it, Jesus will ignore you. In the Bible, there's a Syrophoenician woman, and she pretends to be somebody she's not. She pretends to be the daughter of Abraham, and she's not. She says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And if you read the text, others had said the same thing, and Jesus responded to it, but she says it, and it says that he answered her not a word. He ignored her. I first read this, God, Jesus, why would you ignore this woman? She's in need. But then I read a book on worship, and the author very carefully points out Jesus ignored her because she was not worshiping in spirit and truth. She was pretending to be something she wasn't. If you lie, God won't respond. If you're not honest with God, because God cannot lie, He responds to truth. You know what she did? She changed her approach. Her approach was this. She fell on her knees and said, Jesus, I need help. And instantly Jesus responded. He said, you have great faith. So it wasn't like he didn't want to help her. He just can't help you if it's not done in spirit and in truth. So you protect yourself by worshiping. If you worship Jesus, your faith will stay focused and stay strong. If you get no other point this morning, man, this is a point to capture. If you worship Jesus, your faith will stay focused. Because Jesus said, The Bible says to focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Your faith, it's the most important thing you got. Because you can be arrested in jail. They took your passport. They took your visa. They took everything you've got. You can have absolutely nothing. But if you've got your faith, you've got enough. Faith. Faith will see you through. Faith will keep you in the middle of a storm. I don't know if you saw this thing on Friday night. Nick Wallenden, the guy who walked across Niagara Falls, what a, what a gutsy move. I don't know about you. First guy to ever do it, walks across there. They did something interesting. And Pastor Brian and Christine pointed this out to us in the prayer circle. I, didn't, I hadn't seen this part, but they, they, they wired him up live. And so they got every word he's speaking as he's going across this Niagara Falls. And as he's going across, he's in a conversation with his dad. But what else he's saying, they didn't comment on, but he's doing this. He's protecting his faith. Let me show you the clip and you'll, you'll figure it out. That's his dad talking to him. That's pretty amazing that you're doing it 40 years later. God is good. What an amazing opportunity. What a blessing. Oh, God. How I praise you, Pendulum here. How I praise you, Jesus. Take your time, man. Good. Look at you. Savior, you're my King, you're my Jesus, you're my, 
Most water is wet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How are your arms feeling? Feeling good. Okay. Praise you, my Father. How's that harness? It's not cutting off any circulation, is it? No. All right, great. Just feel like a jack off, a jackass wearing it. No. No, it still looks awesome. All right, that's great. Do you, do you see what he's doing? I mean, you talk about a gutsy move, right? Like he's walking across this high wire over Niagara Falls, but what's his focus? What's keeping his faith going? He's, ah, oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. And there will be times in your life where you have to be so focused on your faith because you're in the middle of a storm, and it's like, okay, God, this is, this is it. This, I got this business deal has to work. My family's in this crisis, or i got to graduate this month, or you just are really focused on something. He just gave you a, a, a great example of what to be doing. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. I honor you. In the middle of it, he's worshiping Jesus because worship protects your faith. Thanksgiving protects your faith. Another thing that protects your faith is... Uh, what's that, number, what are we on, number three? Share your faith. Now, the crown jewels, that's not how they protect them. They don't share the jewels. When you go, we will protect them because we're going to give some away. No, they, they guard it. They don't let you near it. Your faith works differently. The more you give away your faith, the stronger your faith is. The more you share your faith, the more God's power flows through you. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. So when we share your faith, it actually releases the power of God through your life. Sharing your faith is actually protecting your faith. Revelation, it says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, the word of their testimony, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even unto the death. What protects your faith is sharing your faith. I, 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 I like to give Nick a high five. I think that was pretty gutsy. When he's wired, how many millions of people are listening to him? He's not just saying, thank you, God, or thank you, Father. He's saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's not ashamed of the name of Jesus. He's lifting up that name. He's, he's, he's bold about it, protecting your faith by thanking, by worshiping, by sharing your faith. Now, I told you this was meat for men message, so it's kind of a strong word, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 says, if anyone acknowledges me, Jesus speaking, publicly here on earth like Nick did there, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. So when he's acknowledging Jesus, walking on that high wire, Jesus, who always lives to make intercession for us, is saying to the Father, hey, look at Nick down there, he's... That's Nick. He's, he's acknowledging Nick before the Father. Jesus goes on to say, But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. So if we are ashamed of the gospel, it affects our faith. It affects the answers to our prayers. How do we protect our faith? Thanking, worshiping, sharing our faith. Number four, don't judge others. Avoid being critical. If we judge others, we'll be judged the same way. That affects our faith. Number five, keep your joy. Don't be dejected and sad. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 
because there are days you don't feel like rejoicing. Joy is not happiness. Happiness depends on your circumstance. Joy is a choice. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is, despite it, God, you're good. There's a supernatural joy. If you have an engine that has X amount of horsepower, I don't know about you guys, but I like engines with horsepower. I, years ago, we had a, a really nice 1969 Camaro, and the motor that came with that was a 427. And uh, it, the, the, the good ones had aluminum blocks and had like 400 and some horsepower, and they were underrated and just great engines. Uh, but even as great as that engine is, all the horsepower that it has, if you drain the oil out of that, hor- that, that engine, it'll pretty soon seize up. If you drain the joy out of your faith, your faith will seize up. What protects your engine is the oil. What protects your faith is your joy. Joy is a lubricant. It keeps your faith going. If you're grouchy and sad, miserable, and you look like that's Christianity, no thanks, your Christianity should be contagious because the joy you have no matter what's going on. Amen? And so joy protects your faith just like oil protects the longevity of your car. Number, we got to move along here because I'm running out of time. Number six is exercise your patience. Faith and patience work together. Sometimes we believe God for five minutes, a month, a year, or even two years. But patience and faith always go together. Sometimes you got to believe God and you still don't see the answer to your prayer and your life's over. D.L. Moody was praying for 100 people to come to know the Lord. And when he died, they still weren't all saved. But at his funeral, the last three people gave their life to the Lord. See, your faith outlives you. You, you, you could be living. Matter of fact, church, do you know that some of the blessings that we live under here on our church in the heart of the city is because people prayed long before we showed up? This isn't just our church pray. Long before we were here, the Holy Spirit was at work. There are people that prayed a long time before we got here. They prayed for us. We don't even know who they are until we get to heaven. But their faith lives on. Faith and patience. They work together. Patience will protect your faith. Number seven, be a giver. Now, we've been pastoring for a few years. And uh, one thing we've come to learn is that people that are stingy have little faith. People that are generous have big faith. It just works that way. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus said, If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And then, it won't take time to read the whole passage, but in verse 34 it says, Wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Your treasure, your giving, is connected to your faith. If you're always looking like how I can give less or how much I have to give, When people come up and say, Pastor, do I have to give? Do I have to tithe? Do I have to? You don't have to do anything. Because if you had to do it, it wouldn't be love. If God said, you must give, it's not love. Faith works by love. And generous people have strong faith. Stingy people have little faith. You protect your faith by, by giving. All right. We'll preach it on. Number 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 eight. Number eight is watch your tongue. James 1.26 says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. One of the ways to protect our faith is by watching what we speak. If I'm praying for a rebellious child to come back home, to be back in relationship, to, I prayed for a man last night in, in tears, weeping because he, he wants to be back in relationship with his daughter. 
But if you went out, and he didn't do this, but if you went out and if you said, oh, that's my, that's my rebellious Johnny. Johnny was always rebellious. As a teenager, he was rebellious. As a kid, he was rebellious. And he'll probably be rebellious till the day he dies. That's just Johnny. He's always in trouble. That's my Johnny. Then he goes to bed at night and says, oh, God, would you please save Johnny? Please bring Johnny back. And the next day, oh, that's my Johnny. He's so rebellious. Yeah. See, they don't match. Your tongue has got to line up with your heart. Because your heart believes, but your tongue speaks. And so you protect your faith by watching what you speak. And if you're not going to speak in agreement with what you're believing, then just zip your lip. Then just be quiet. Just don't say anything. You want to speak in agreement with what your heart believes. Number nine, resist the devil. I've got to speed this up. Number nine, resist the devil. So let God work his will in you. This is out of the Message Bible, James chapter 4. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. One of the keys to, to guarding your faith is you have to yell no to the devil. You have to do it. You, you can't say, well, my life group leader will do that. Or my pastor will do that. My spouse will do that. My kids will do it. My dad will do it. My mom will do it. No, you have to do it. You have to boldly stand up and say, like this passage says, yell a, a loud no to the devil. When you, when you boldly, out of your mouth, say no to the powers of Satan, it makes him nervous. He scampers. It actually says he runs in terror. I don't feel always comfortable doing it. I don't do it around my family all the time. Maybe odd time I had to do it. But most of the time, it's in my own prayer closet where I have to say no to the enemy. And it sounds like this. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I break your power. I command you, take your hands off my finances. In the name of Jesus, every power of darkness, stand back. In Jesus' name, I break your power. Go from my family. I command you, go from my finances. Get out! So I don't know if I feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> well, you got your choice. See, even just saying the name of Jesus like that makes every devil nervous. Because the last thing he wants is a believer to get that revelation. Jesus said, I have given you power and authority to tread over serpents and scorpions over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall be means hurt you. As long as that's tucked away somewhere and the church doesn't practice it, he can do whatever he wants. But when you have the guts to stand up and to say, no, you don't. I'm not doing this on the sky train. I'm not doing it somewhere in public. <laughs> We're not being idiots about it. We don't need more flaky, goofy Christians. But... In my prayer closet, I'll take the sword, I'll take a shield of faith, say, no, you don't. Stand back. You want your border crossing to go smoother? Before you go to the border crossing, just take five minutes and say, stand back, devil. Stand back. I'm crossing this border without your harassment. And watch the difference. Yeah, I don't think that makes a difference. Well, you cross your way, I'll cross my way. It's worked for 28 years. I think it'll still work. You, 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 you figure it out. You do it your way. But as for me, my house will serve the Lord. You stand up and say it. That's come out of your mouth. Well, you say, God, would you please get the devil away from me? You know, <laughs> you know, God says, I gave you authority. You have a mouth. You have the Bible. 
you've been deputized. I gave you authority. You stand up. You do it. You command him to go. He will leave you. This is why we read James here is talking to the church, the first church in Jerusalem. Pastor James is saying, please resist him. You resist him. He'll leave you. Guard your faith. He's not omnipresent. You don't do this every day. You don't do it all the time. But folks, honestly, there are days where you have to stand up and you have to say, no, you will not have it. I draw a circle around my family. I draw a bubble zone around my business, around our church. We do this for you. We pray for the church this way. Rest, peace, the presence of God is not an accident. You have to say, powers of darkness, stand back. They don't have legal jurisdiction. He defeated powers of darkness. They don't have a right to squat in your house, but they will unless you run them out. So that's how we protect our faith. Have to do something about this time, though, because it's running away on us. <laughs> Lastly is we have to love without partiality. Don't have time to unpack that, but we know faith works by love. Loving our wife, loving our husband, loving our family, loving our neighbor, loving the poor, loving the widows, loving the old folks, loving the orphans, not showing partiality or favor, loving others the way Christ loved us. So key for our faith to be working. If we don't walk in love, it really cripples our faith because faith works by love. If my little microphone stops working, the first thing they do is they take this little battery pack off. They say, Pastor, you need new batteries because this thing works by batteries. If your faith is not working, if prayers aren't being answered, one of the first things to do is check up, is my love there? Am I loving others? Am I loving my spouse? There's a strong verse in there, guys, for you if you want to read it in Peter, that if you don't love your wife and treat her well, the Bible says your prayers will be hindered. Your faith is protected by walking in love. All right, let's take a moment to close in prayer. Our time went by really fast this morning, but hopefully we've learned and just been even refreshed in how to protect our faith. The ultimate rest comes as we watch our faith. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.